It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This is Access Atlanta. Every week, we share some of the best places to eat, play, and live out loud in the ATL. And of course, we go behind the scenes and find the stories that show Atlanta is one of a kind. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We've changed the way we do our podcast. That means we're recording it remotely from our homes, but we've also changed what we're talking about in the podcast, since we've always prided ourselves on providing guidance on things to do in and around Atlanta, and because most venues, theaters, and attractions are closed, we're going indoors, and in some cases where it's practical, outdoors to places where it's easy to practice social distancing. Among the many things that have been shut down by the pandemic is Hollywood. Although things are slowly coming back, and that includes things here in Georgia. As you know, many things are filmed here, and one of the biggest studios in town is Tyler Perry Studios. And Tyler Perry is doing something new and different with his productions, trying to keep things going during the COVID-19 pandemic. Here to talk about that is Rodney Ho. Welcome, Rodney. Hey, Shane. So you got to talk to Tyler Perry. Yeah, he's a busy man, but he set aside some time to talk to me, which was, uh, you know, I'm gratified by that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's pretty amazing that reading the story, which you can find on AJC.com, um, about, you know, all the things that, that he's had to do in order to start production back up again. I mean, he's trying to, kind of like the NBA, he kind of created this uh, sequestered island of safety, so to speak, uh, on his campus, because unlike other studios in town, he actually has enough space to uh, to actually have all his cast and crew live there <laughs> during the production, which is kind of wild. He had, you know, because Tyler Perry Studios used to be Fort McPherson, an army base, um, there were already about 60 residents, you know, he already often used the residents for his big stars and stuff. They would sometimes stay on campus anyway. Right. Um, but he also needed, you know, he needed several hundred other <laughs> residents as well. So he brought in um, mobile units like right. this whole like there's a picture of it. It's, it's kind of astounding that he brought in all these mobile units and they're brand new. So all the crew cast and crew were able to live there. Yeah. Um, and uh, overall, he has at least 360 people there on at one time. And uh, last month, he started with Sistas, which is one of his BET relationship dramas. And, he, and, you know, the way 
Tyler Perry works, he writes all the scripts himself and he he turns around his shows in a way that nobody else can quite replicate. I mean, he does what they say, 90 to 100 pages of script a day when other shows might do 15. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. I mean, he does he does things differently from everyone anyway, and this is just an added layer of of how he's having to do this. It's it's really pretty amazing, and and you know you should all go and check out the photos that that were taken there, which are pretty awesome as well. So, yeah, I mean he he, he works quickly, and that's to his advantage in this case because. You know, who wants to be sequestered for eight or 10 weeks, which is a typical length of time or even longer. If you're going to do a 10 or 13 episode season of anything, it frequently takes three months. Right. He can do it in two weeks. Yeah. He did an entire season of 10 episodes of a, of, of a show in literally one episode a day per weekday, right. which is crazy, but he can do it. And, uh, you know, he managed to pull off sisters last month with a massive amount of testing and had no cases while they were shooting. Um, right. That, that was the, one of the most amazing things about the story is that, you know, because testing is, is, you know, unreliable in, in like the amount of turnaround, the time that you get testing and all of that stuff, he basically forked out a lot of money. in order oh to get it. I mean, one advantage of having, you know, extra money in the sense is that, yeah, he, he was able, he first tried to work with Emory and, you know, back in mid July, there was a surge in testing and cases and turnaround slowed down and he had to sequester everybody a little extra time in their rooms until the test results came back. Uh, so he found some private labs that were able to do it quicker. And you know, he, he would ideally like turnarounds of 12 to 24 hours. Yeah. Um, and I think he's able to pull that off now. I, you know, this is when you, if you have enough money, you can pull this stuff off. Right. And he right, is pulling yeah. it out. I mean, he says the cost, you know, for each season, he's spending an extra four and a half million dollars per season just to basically house everybody and pay for the testing. I mean, right. he's feeding them. He's basically, it's, it's like a 24-7 camp for two yeah. weeks. I mean, they, they've got yoga classes, they're hosting, you know, little, you know, after shooting is over, they'll host an evening out in the, you know, doing a movie night. They've got church services on Sundays, you know, they're live streaming TD Jakes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 pretty fascinating. But, you know, it's also great that, that he can, you know, keep people working. He keeps working. He keeps other people working. He's keeping actors employed. He's keeping all the crew employed. Uh, it's it's a really a fascinating thing to see and, and probably a lesson for other people in ways that we'll be able to do some of these things going forward. Yeah, I mean, obviously he has advantages um, over the other production studios is he can truly sequester people. I mean, other studios, are, you know, cannot do that. They can't they just have, they could try to keep people in the same hotel, perhaps. But even then, there's, you know, there's more chance of exposure and yeah. I don't know if anybody else is doing the amount of testing that he does. Like every four days, everybody gets tested, yeah. no matter what. Um, so it's uh, you know what what Tyler can do is special, and yeah. <laughs> it's because he's solitaire. You know, he, yeah. he can do stuff that other people can't do. Um, All anyway. right. Well, that's awesome. Well, I, it's so great that you got to talk to him, and uh, we're going to uh, hear Rodney's conversation uh, with Tyler Perry right now. So thanks a lot, Rodney. Thank you, Shane. So, How are you doing, Rodney? I am doing wonderfully. How are you doing, Tyler? 
Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, well, when when did you start back production uh, with Sisters? I think Sisters was your first one, right? Yeah. Uh, gosh, I don't know the exact date. It was a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Did you you just finished up? Yeah, just finished up this past Saturday, and um, and happy to say we got through everybody uh, all negative. So it's it's wonderful. Congratulations, congratulations! And and when do you start up with the Oval? Uh, we start the check-in tomorrow. We check in 100. It's 360 people in the camp. We check in 160 people tomorrow, and they quarantine until we get the test results back. And then on Monday, we another 200 check-in. They quarantine until we get the test results back, and then on Tuesday we start shooting. That's so crazy. <laughs> just, yeah. just actually having this conversation a year ago would have been absurd, right? The, the, the whole concept of what you're doing right now would not make any sense, right? Yeah, you all. see all of us walking around in these masks and face shields and all this other stuff looking like we're all in outer space. It all seems weird. I mean, you're, you've, you've been in these studios for a while. Yeah, I mean, it's. It, it, I guess it's normal but not normal to do production right now, or is it just how do you even feel when you're on set right now? Well, listen. For me, fortunately, I'm, I'm I've done well enough to be able to take the rest of the year off, or next year, or whatever, and the rest of my life off until I, until there's a vaccine if I want it. But the thing about it is, I have all these people that work for me who are uh, who bought houses and cars, and and they depend on this income. And and when they tell me this stuff, they beam with pride about the things that they bought and what they're doing and paying off their debts. So I couldn't just go and sit somewhere and wait for a vaccine. I had to come up with a plan to keep all of these people working because they've been so faithful and loyal and, and just they deserve it. So I'm on my bus, sleeping right among them, and we're making it work. Um, how much did the new protocol slow production down uh, compared to normal? We Actually, we were, we're still doing the same pace. We lost 80 to um, about 80, 20, 80 to 100 crew members because we didn't have the housing for that many more. But but uh, what takes the longest are our moves from location to location. Something that would have taken 15 minutes is now taking 45. But the great thing about the crew that I work with and the actors and my whole team here at TPS, we 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 once we get there, we're moving quick to make up the time. And uh, in terms of writing the scripts. How did you adjust things to accommodate? Did you have to do any any real changes in your scripts to accommodate the the pandemic and and keeping everyone safe? All of the scripts were written around January, February. So I just, as I was going back through them, I realized that there was I, there was nothing that I had to change in testing. So we test every four days um, to make sure that the the virus is not among us and. Uh, and the actors have been tested for the past eight to ten weeks, so we had a record of all of these negatives, so that we could continue on the same path and not change anything in the scripts. The only thing that changed are some of the locations had to be scaled down because we didn't have hundreds of extras that we could bring in. That's true. I mean, how many background actors were you able to even bring in to make it work? Yeah, we bought in 10, um, and there were uh -huh. times where we needed 20 or 30, and we asked the crew to be background, and they they gladly jumped in. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So everybody just had to do other – sometimes people had to do other people's jobs, right, because you had to yeah. do a crew also? Exactly uh, right. Exactly right. What was it like um, living on you – know, you know, obviously you spent a lot of time at the studios already, but just having to stay on campus the whole time, what was that like for you? Listen, I, I rode my bike to set every day. It was it was joy for me because I really got to – I've never spent this much time here on a day-to-day -day basis, seeing it in the morning, seeing the sunset, seeing it, – it's a glorious place. This, this, this place is a beautiful piece of property, and uh, 
I, I really became uh, got to know it intimately spending this much time here. Oh, I, I can believe it. It's it's uh, over what is it, three hundred some odd acres. I mean, it's a it's a very large space. So I, I guess you didn't feel um, claustrophobic in any way, right? No, not at all. Not at all. There was enough space for everybody to see this campus come to life. I can only imagine that that must have been what it's like when it was an army base, having someone in every one of the houses, having people uh, riding their bikes and exercising and jogging and hiking up the back trails and mountain biking through the back trails. I thought it's it's just really amazing. The, how, how was the whole situation with food? Um, I, I, I've been talking to my team about that because we, we've had, we had great, great food trucks here and an alcohol truck. And it was really, really great. But I just thought, I think next go round, we need a lot more healthy options because I put on a few pounds. <laughs> the, uh, where, where did you actually stay? Was there a specific location, you know, that you chose to, to uh, stay while you were there? Yeah, I've had a tour bus for 10 years, so I just parked it up in the middle of the camp, and, and I've been staying on it uh, during this time. But, yeah, so that's, that's always been home for me as I've been on the road, so it just feels like I'm still home. That is so that's so cool. Were you able to add any sets uh, in preparation for this season, anything new uh, on the campus that you were able to build out? Uh, during our pre-production period, we got everything ready for all of the shows, so it, it – um, we were ready. We're we're ready for all four shows. So everything, nothing. There was nothing to build. Everything is, uh, is was ready to go. Oh, that's good. That's good. What are the there is a shortage of there is a shortage of supplies going on right now for lumber and things like that. So it's a good thing we didn't have to build. Oh my goodness! Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, were, were there any uh, things that came up during production this first go around that surprised you or caught you by surprise, or did you feel like you sort of captured all the potential? issues that may come up no, no no i think we this this was our training ground this to to make sure everything worked well and i tell you my team this tps staff they were all over it they were all over it so there was nothing that caught us by surprise we were uh, except how much people drink in the evenings but for the most part we uh <laughs> we we were ready we were ready did you have to pod sections off or because everybody was you know what was COVID-free, you, did you were you able to sort of operate in a way that was a little bit normal in terms of people interacting, you know? Yeah, no, no, nothing, nothing about this was normal, but it's mandatory that you wear a mask and face shields if you're on set. If you're not on set, it's mandatory that you have mask on all day long, which was, which was uh, trying for a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. right. um, and, I, and I completely understand why. However, it was so important that we did it. Um, but but because I know for a fact that wearing a mask helps stop the spread. I know that for a scientific fact. Um, so so I was just what I was really surprised about was pleasantly my crew was just awesome. So everybody was just. I'm sure they were just thrilled to be back on on a set, right? Because this is clearly a, a very long break for everybody, right? Yeah, you know, I've got several of those people pulling me aside on the way as I'm walking them, riding my bike or walking around the property saying, you know, I just thank you so much for this. Thank you so much. We know you didn't have to do this. Thank you so much. We're able to, you know, pay our bills, feed our family. So absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you must have, did you start planning this almost from the start of the pandemic when you shut down or did you uh, sort of give yourself a little bit of a mental break or you went, you dove right back into sort of like, let's, how, how are we going to make this work? 
Like well, March. we were supposed to start in March, and that's when everything started shutting down. And I thought, okay, I'm going to really learn everything I can about it. I'm going to talk to Dr. Carlos Del Rio at, and Dr. Sanjay Gupta. I'm going to talk to Emory. I'm going to get all the information that I can on how to do this. And, and so I immediately started working on a plan because I was actually waiting for a federal response. And when I realized none was coming, I was like, okay, we can't wait around forever. If we're going to do this, let's go for it. Right. And uh, was there any particular, it, it, you know, what, what was the toughest part for you? I mean, obviously you are a busy man and you like to get stuff done and having to sit here and wait, was that a frustration for you? Were you able to sort of funnel your energies elsewhere? Yeah, listen, if you knew, knew the scripts that I have written while I was waiting for this thing, I'm, I'm ready for all of 2023. Oh, great. So you, you, were <laughs> able, you were able to be creative, like you were able to sort of funnel some energies into the creative side and, and do some writing. In other words, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Had to and spending spending a great deal of time with my son was great, but I had to actually have some some of the writing going on. So I wrote a couple of movies that I'm looking forward to shooting right away. That's actually yeah. So you were able to make it. Uh, it was good, I guess, in a sense that your type of work uh, enabled you to do something, even in in you know when you were quarantined, right? It's 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 definitely been tough for a lot of people. Um, I mean, how you know with all with the pandemic and all the protests, I mean, how are you handling things emotionally? Um, I, you know, it's it was very difficult when I wasn't able to get to work and have people working because um, work has always been the outlet. But um, seeing, I, I'm just kept very worried about the message being hijacked by um, people with ill intentions. But seeing that that the whole country is galvanized to help fight against injustice, I think is is a wonderful thing. Yeah, how was it writing that? you know, essay for, for People Magazine, was that helpful to you to be able to do that? It, it was it was cathartic, but it was it was cathartic, but it was also painful because, you know, I have to, at one day I'm going to have to have that conversation with my son. I can't have him not know going out into the world, but, but um, you know, I, I, it, it, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a, a, a nutty time. Well, I, I know the amount of help our society needs right now exceeds what any one individual person can do. How, how are you deciding what types of charity to, to provide here? Because, you know, it, it could be so scattershot and it's like, oh, my God, what, what can you do, right? It must, you must feel somewhat like, oh, you could do a million things, right? Or you could do one thing. What do you do? Yeah, I, you know, it has to be something that moves me. Uh, sometimes it's a story, it's a person, it's, a, it's so, someone in passing, and it moves me. You know, the thing about having the Atlanta Police Department pass out uh, the gift cards to the community for um, for groceries, I wanted to do something else uh, for groceries after the Kroger and Winn-Dixie Winn -Dixie thing. And I thought, why not get the police into the neighborhoods and around the studio and other areas? Because what I what I wanted to, to come out of that is just what happened. People seeing police officers and the community standing together, and I, and I, I hope that that would, would send a clear message of unity and a bridge to getting this thing worked out. Because the problem is nobody wants to talk to each other. Nobody wants to hear anybody else's opinion in this in this day and age. So I'm hoping that we all learn to just start to listen to each other more. What's been the feedback from that particular, um, you know? It's been really great. It's been really great, and it's been really positive. Oh, that's that's absolutely wonderful. Uh, you're, you know, obviously you you have you were able to uh, getting back to your production. You were able to bring a lot of people back, uh, you know, and keep them sequestered. A lot of other studios wouldn't be able to do that. Um, but do you think there are some lessons from what you've done that you that would be able to that other studios would be able to learn from? 
Well, for sure. If if you can't quarantine, I think the only other answer is to be to test every day. And if that's not an option, I don't know how you have people working this closely together. Because, I mean, we really work like ants that closely together, and, and, and it, it could be a place where the virus could spread easily um, if not if there aren't masks, if there aren't proper protocols followed, if there aren't if there aren't uh, major testing all along the way. So, I think that. Um, are you concerned about testing right now? Because there seems to be a lot of delays with testing. And that's yeah, well, to... what happened in our first day of, of – uh, we, we have been testing for six weeks and had no delays at all. We are getting test results back the next day. But then um, on our first day of check-in, our test took, took the 48 hours. That that was in was longer than we expected because we expected to have results back in, in like 12, 12 hours. Um but but you know I I can't complain about this when there are people who can't get tests they can't get tests you know they can't get test results and they're sitting and waiting in lines for hours trying to get a test so I mean there's absolutely nothing to complain about and you're and the company that you're using they're able, they're going to be able to continue to do a decent turnaround for uh, for the oval as well. Yes, we were working with uh, Emory, and they were amazing the entire time. Um, now we've switched to private labs. So we have we have three other private labs that are out, of, one in Georgia and two that are out of state, that have the capacity and the ability to hold on to to t- to turn our test results back. It's, it's, it's thousands of tests over a span of a couple of weeks. Right? I mean, there's a lot of yeah, tests. Yeah, <laughs> thousands of tests. It's a lot. It's very, very, very expensive. It's in the millions to run this many tests, but. If that's what it's going to take to keep everybody safe, then so be it. From a cost perspective, how much more is this costing you per product, per show? I mean, are you able to – are you still going to be okay? Or is that not really that important right now? Yeah, it, 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 the cost is what it's going to – it is what it's – the cost is what it is. It's it's costing about $6 million, no, but it's about four, eight, twelve, sixteen, about $4.5 million added to each show. Well, for for the entire season. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yes. No, no, it's actually more than that. It's $18 million total. So you divide that through the four shows. It's $18 million that we're approaching in wow. over the four shows for for to keep everybody safe and fed and so on and so forth. Is that like a 50%? Is that like twice as much as normal or something along or, or even more than? Oh, that's 100%, that's 100% more than normal. We wouldn't have spent any of this money had it not been COVID. Sure. But, yeah. but for you, it's, it's keeping everybody employed. That's, you know, it sounds like you're doing this to make sure your workers can pay the bills, right, and pay their mortgages. and For, for sure, for sure. That's wonderful. Well, thank you, Tyler. I hope uh, hope you don't have to do this for years to come. I hope we can get get back to some sense of normality in 12 months or something. I don't even know how long this is going to take, right? I mean, you, I guess you just have to plan as you can, right, as you go, right? You plan as, plan as we go, plan as we go, yeah. <laughs> well, good luck, Tyler. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, to your upcoming season. Okay, brother. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. All right. There's nothing normal about our new normal, but AJC.com is the same trusted source you've always had, and we have just as much great content, if not more. That's why each week I'll highlight my personal picks for the best things to do, see, and experience, and the stories are easy to find on AJC.com. The pandemic has meant permanent change for some people. One of those is longtime varsity car hop Frank Jones. The Varsity has had to change the way they do their takeout orders, and that means car hops were sidelined back in March. And since Frank Jones is 89, he's retiring. He wasn't even in high school when he began taking orders for two hot dogs, fries, and a Coke in exchange for a quarter. 
Dining editor Lagaya Figueroa spoke with the Varsity Mainstay about his decades at the Atlanta Landmark and about what the future holds. Check out the full story on the Atlanta restaurant scene blog at AJC.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution covers the South like no one else, and that extends to our book reviews. In her review of former AJC sports writer Terry Kay's new book, The Forever Wish of Mitty Sweet, Suzanne Van Atten talks about our focus on Southern writers, whether they're natives, transplants, or just focusing on our region. Read the review of this tale of a widow and widower in their 70s and find out more about the process behind what gets chosen for our Sunday book reviews at AJC.com. Humans aren't the only ones craving some entertainment in these days of isolation. Our pets could use some exercise, engagement, and interaction, too. Freelance writer Mary Welch takes a look at some of the ways to keep our pets occupied, other than interrupting Zoom and Teams meetings. She talks with several shop owners, including Bob Presley of Bark Street Patopia in Marietta, whose sales have tripled in the day since the pandemic began. Learn more about ways to keep our furry companions busy and healthy at AJC.com. Like many annual events, the Atlanta Beltline Parade won't be taking place in person. But the beloved annual event has not been canceled. Instead, it will be a parade in place. Starting on September 21st, residents throughout Beltline-adjacent neighborhoods are encouraged to display homemade lanterns on porches, balconies, yards, and in windows. It won't be the same as the concentrated joy of seeing all those lanterns marching as one, but it might serve to spread that joy around for a little longer. Find out more about how it works and how you can participate at AJC.com. And as always, the AJC is dedicated to keeping you up. And as always, the AJC is dedicated to keeping you up to date with all the latest cancellations and reschedulings. And we'll give you the details on any events that are still happening, whether in person or online. Stay in the know at AJC.com. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. Podcast edited by Bria Felician. Music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin. And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.